Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks for joining us for Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Carrie Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The milk production increases that we are seeing in Texas show us that we have a strong dairy industry in our state, but at the same time, you don't want to have an oversupply issue. I'm James Hunt, and I'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. The importance of trees on rural property. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. This week, we're going to talk from East Texas about rain, feral hogs, cattle grazing, and drought. This is James Duncan, and I'll be reporting from Marshall. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The Texas wool market has struggled lately, but we're seeing better prices now. Jessica Domel has more. The Texas wool market is rebounding. Dr. Reed Redden, sheep and goat specialist for the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, says COVID and trade wars over the past few years have been rough on the wool market. So going back to, say, probably 18, 19 time frame, the wool was doing really good. The market probably fell in half and then has climbed its way out probably halfway back to where it was a few years ago. There's some decent value in wool. There's a lot of interest in wool for active wear. And so there's a number of kind of companies that have popped up that are selling, you know, active wear wool and people are really interested in getting back to wearing a, a natural fiber. I mean, and wool has some really unique properties that is just not available elsewhere. There's some rebound coming. The bulk of the wool produced in Texas is a fine wool. It is used for men's and women's suits, t-shirts, underwear, and socks. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. U.S. sorghum exports are hitting new records. Tim Lust is CEO of National Sorghum Producers in Lubbock. Not only is it a marketing year high, but it's it's an all-time high. You know, it's a, the largest sales week that we've ever had in terms of future sales going forward. And, and then it's the largest actual export week in terms of uh, the amount of sorghum we actually loaded on boats and got out of the country, uh, both at, at the same time. So from that standpoint, I think it just reiterates uh, the fact that uh, obviously the demand is, is still there. Um, and despite a lot of challenges, the logistics are working and, and we are able to, to get the boats loaded and uh, get the grain moved out of the country. So uh, that, that standpoint is, is working really well. And while the sorghum industry is celebrating this renewed global demand for their product, Lust says it's been a long and winding road to get here. Things haven't been so good the last couple of years before, and so uh, so certainly it's uh, much more exciting to do interviews and fun to do interviews and get to talk about the good stuff and, and the status of your industry. 
when things are going the right direction. And so certainly had some challenges uh, in a few of the past years with the with the bug and and some different trade issues and some different things. But uh, you know, really came through a very solid production year last year. Of course, there's areas in in eastern New Mexico and western Texas that still haven't gotten any rain for a very long time that uh, that you have to kind of kind of realize that but uh, from a big picture standpoint the sorghum industry standpoint you know we had a really solid crop and and then we've been able to just continually move that as as we've moved and progressed through the winter and and into spring here so good good place to be in a discussion with you national sorghum producers ceo tim lust The Texas dairy industry is expanding, but it's a careful balance to keep from oversupplying the market. James Hunt explains from the High Plains. One thing that kind of jumps out in the latest USDA milk production report is that total milk production in our state remains on the increase, even though we're actually seeing a decline when you look at the output that Texas dairies are getting from each individual cow on a monthly basis. In March, our state's average production per cow was 2,165 pounds, down by 15 pounds per cow from the same month a year ago. In February, monthly per cow production was actually down by 65 pounds. Some of the drop-off can be attributed to the effects of winter storm Uri, but Darren Turley of Texas Association of Dairymen says March marked the beginning of a new concerted effort to address supply concerns. We have a situation where we're actually in the state right now basically full of production on our processing ability. So there's a program in place now to pay the producer full price for 90% of his milk. Anything that's over that level could be sold at a reduced rate. We have a three-tier pricing. The next couple of percent loses some price, and there's a significant loss then on that last 7%. And so that gives the incentive to decrease production. Turley says those incentives are being offered by two co-ops, Select Milk Producers and Dairy Farmers of America. Now, as to how our dairies can continue putting out more milk overall while getting fewer pounds per cow, as we talked about yesterday, the March figures showed a lot more dairy cows in Texas, about a 27,000 head increase from one year earlier, which allowed for that 3.9% increase in total production last month. Turley says spring is typically the peak production time for Texas, So it will be interesting to see how the numbers look going forward as USDA issues its monthly milk production reports. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Trees are an important factor in valuing rural Texas property. Tom Nicoletti has more. My guest today is Tyler Jacobs. He's partner broker with Hall & Hall LLP out of College Station, and he joins us today to talk more about rural real estate and uh, today's subject trees. And uh, Tyler, uh, we're going to talk about uh, what new landowners uh, ought to know when purchasing uh, land in the rural areas of Texas. You have a few points you want to talk about. Let's first talk about knowing what trees are on your property. Absolutely. You know, the the old paradigm of you can't manage what you haven't identified is so true, even with trees. And while I'm not an arborist, I've found a lot of value and seen a lot of value created by the landowner just knowing the specific species of trees that are prominent across their property or around their improvements or that they want to develop or manage. And it just creates a lot of return to have that 
base education, which is so easily and readily available through the extension offices. And I mean, there's even phone apps now that'll help you identify trees. So definitely want to get that identification in place so that you know what it is you need to manage. Another aspect that new landowners ought to be aware of is how to balance the care between old and young trees on their new property. Talk about that, Tyler. You bet. You know, we want to focus on both. So with the old trees, the big live oaks and and the big pecans and all the trees that are sitting up on top of the hill where you're going to build your new house and all of those things, there's a lot of sensitivity to, to construction and disturbing the drip line and the feeder roots and a lot of protection that needs to be afforded to those old trees. You know, you want to make sure that you're giving them every opportunity to continue to thrive, give them protection removing the old brush from around the base of them and and even you know consulting an arborist about fertilization and things you want to care for those old trees because there's so many reasons why they might not be there in a year or two or five that you want to make sure you're you're managing them well and then the young trees you want to be preparing the young trees to be as beautiful and productive as they can be in future years and if there's one thing about land ownership again that is true is that five years is a blink and in 10 years is a nod. I mean, it just goes by so fast. More about the importance of trees on rural property from Tyler Jacobs with Hall & Hall LLP on our next program. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Feral hogs are a problem all across Texas and East Texas is no exception. James Duncan reports from Marshall. In East Texas, we're just having some difficulty with the feral hogs. I know everyone else is, but as I report from this area, visiting at Hills Country Store one day last week, we had about seven or eight producers sitting around that uh, give a good discussion on the feral hogs and how they were damaging our hay meadows. And we're right in that time of the year when everything needs to be moving smooth to get ready for the coming hay season because it's just around the corner. Now, the livestock market, we'd like to see the prices improve just a little bit, but we still uh, are out there. We're calving out our finishing up the winter calving, moving into the spring and early summer. we got to get those calves in prior to July the 1st, so after that, this weather's too hot and humid to really get the production up that we like on those calves as they come. So that's one of the big goals right now. Farmers markets are open up slowly on a limited basis throughout the area. The peach trees are doing wonderful. Everything is just growing and blooming. Grass is growing and the rain helps that. I'll talk about the drought. We have cattle here in this area from the droughty areas of Texas that are using the grass that we produce here in East Texas. This is James Duncan reporting from Marshall for Texas Ag Today. If you've never been wild turkey hunting before, this may be the year to go. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll explain why on Texas Ag Today. And treating a downer cow is not a very successful endeavor. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. 
Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Well, if you're in the cattle business, I know you've had more than your share of downer cows, and you probably know by now that treating those downer cows usually isn't very successful. And veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd agrees. Dr. Shaw Perrin with Ohio State shared some advice in bovineveterinarian.com on handling these cases. She indicates the situation should be treated as an emergency, and it requires at least three people to move a down cow. A preliminary exam should be performed to try and determine if the cow has a broken leg or other serious injury or is unresponsive, which may require immediate euthanasia, rather than moving her and attempting treatment. If no obvious causes are found, offer water and call your veterinarian. If she is stable enough to be moved, move her to a safe area in a pen or paddock with good footing, and out of the mud and a slippery surface is a good idea. Cows can be moved with a sled, bucket loader, or harness, and secure the cow's head with a halter to protect it during this moving process. Dr. Perrin indicates it is always okay to give a dose of banamine for pain relief, but giving dexamethasone is not a good idea as it causes abortion in cows. All medications should be prescribed by the veterinarian after examining the animal to determine the cause of the inability to stand. Cows with milk fever respond very well after calcium administration in the vein, and some cows with grass tetany will respond after receiving intravenous magnesium. Dr. Perrin indicates it is not a good idea to attempt to make these cows stand if they are on a slippery surface, as this only wears them out. Certainly using abusive methods to encourage cows to stand is not a good idea, and be careful when moving these cows as this can cause further injury. Never drag or lift a cow by the head or neck, but using hip lifts can be effective in helping some cows rise. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. If you've never been turkey hunting before, this may be the year to go. Jessica Domel explains why in today's Wildlife Report. This may be a good year to introduce new hunters to wild turkey hunting in Texas. Jason Harden, wild turkey program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, explains. It's going to be a great opportunity to get somebody in the field. There should be lots of birds calling and gobbling and keeping it exciting for folks. And there's nothing like calling in your first wild turkey. It's really exciting, even if you just want to take a camera and take pictures. It's a great time of year to be out in the field. In Texas, there are both eastern and Rio Grande turkeys. There is a little bit of difference in coloration. The eastern turkey or any of your eastern subspecies, eastern or the Osceola, are going to have more of a chestnut coloration on their outside primary tail fan feathers, that band on the outside, and the secondary feathers, the band, you know, halfway down the bird's tail fan. It's usually a darker bird and a bigger bird, whereas the Rio is going to have more of a buff-colored tail fan, typically. Now, its subspecies name is intermediate, which means it's an intermediate subspecies between those mountainous western birds and those eastern birds. The mountainous western birds are almost solid white, your Miriams and your Goulds, whereas your Easterns are going to have that darker brown color. So you can actually see 
see birds in a single flock of, of rios that will look like a Miriams, a rio, and an eastern. So we usually just focus on, from a regulation standpoint, on the county that the bird's in. If you're in any county outside of those 13 in East Texas, so starting with Grayson County across on the Red River, going east over to Bowie County, then south along the Louisiana border, those are managed as eastern turkey counties, and that's where we're going to base our regulations off of. The rest of the state will be managed as a Rio Grande wild turkey population. For turkey hunting regulations in your area, visit OutdoorAnnual.com or use the Outdoor Annual app. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market traded both sides of unchanged on Tuesday. However, we ended up closing mostly lower while the run-up continues in the cotton and old crop corn markets. We'll take a closer look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Well, the cattle market traded both sides of unchanged on Tuesday, but we ended up closing mostly lower. We'll start with live cattle, April down 12 cents, 118.37, June down 42 at 115.85, August live cattle down 65 cents at 117.30. Feeder cattle, mostly lower, the exception being the nearby April. It was up $1.45, $134.20. May feeders down $1.40, $135.87. The August down $0.22 cents at $150.07. Cash-fed cattle market, we're seeing some light trade. Kansas reporting a few heads sold at $118. Up in Nebraska, a few sales reported at $120 on a live basis, $190 dressed. But again, that's very light trade, not enough for a market trend so far this week. Most of our cattle standing pat, waiting for higher money, priced at 120 and better. Boxed beef continues to jump higher. Choice up 452 on Tuesday at 289.72. Select jumping 481 at 279.16. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Neighbor, 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 I caught up with that little country ball of fire, Madison Bexley, and talked to her about the sale she had on Thursday. Maddie, how did it go in Lockhart for you and the crew? Hey, Larry, uh, we had a pretty good day. We ended up with 1412 with 283 cows and 26 bulls, 208 sellers and 77 buyers. Let's walk the pins. Uh, on the sucker cows, we got along pretty good uh, on, a, on a good active market this week. The good pairs brought from 11 to 1375. Uh, the mediocres from 8 to 1075. Uh, most of the middle aged and older pairs had to be split and weighed yesterday. Uh, a few of the longhorn and planer pairs from 4 to 775. The good bred cows from 8 to 1075. Mediocre middle aged and short breads from 450 to 775. Uh, Packer cows and bulls would have been staged maybe a couple dollars better this week. The good high yielding cows from 63 to 77 and a half. The medium yielding from 54 to 62. 
low yielding and lightweights from 34 to 53, the good high yielding Packer Bulls from 90 to a dollar four, the medium yielding from 84 to 89, low yielding and lightweights to six from 60 to 83. Cows in New Orleans sold a little mixed yesterday with most of the good quality calves um, weighing up to 550. Would have been mostly steady on a good active market. And the bigger six to eight weights, uh, they were sure a little softer, especially on the heifer side. Uh, with, you know, corn being up and futures down, it made it a little tougher yesterday. But anyway, all in all, it was a good day. Good deal. Are you aware of anything for next week yet? No, sir. I don't know of anything quite yet. Hopefully we can drum up some business this week. And you might catch a rain, Madison. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Yeah, Larry, you can always check us out on Facebook or you can call the barn at 512 512- Three nine eight three four seven six. My cell phone at nine seven nine five four zero nine seven nine three. Or you can ring Bubba at five one two four six one six zero nine one. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. And Texas Farming and Ranching neighbors, we thank you too for listening to me, Larry Marble, and Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We'll see you tomorrow. Good day to you. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs were mixed. The nearby May up 55 cents, 109.80. June lean hogs down 17, 106.67. April class 3 milk unchanged 1766 May milk down 10 cents 1918 100 weight Another big jump of the cotton market on Tuesday traders continuing to watch the drought situation here in Texas and they're starting to watch just the opposite in the Delta and the Southeast. They're getting so much rain over there that there are now concerns that they can't get the crop in the ground for now. So that helped to boost prices with July cotton up 220 points above 90 cents, 91.42 the closing price. October cotton up 242 at 89.21. December cotton up 225, closing at 87.20 cents. Kansas City wheat managed to hang on to the gains that we had on Monday. However, soft wheat finished lower. July Kansas City wheat up two and a half, 711 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat down six and three quarters. 632 and three quarters. The rally continues in old crop corn. The same factors we've been watching just continued strong demand for our old crop supplies as well as concerns over dry weather in Brazil. The May contract up another 15 cents. It actually traded above seven dollars on Tuesday, but we settled at 695 and a half. September corn, however, was lower, down seven cents, 586. The December down six. 562 and a quarter. In the energy markets, May natural gas up 8 cents, 287. June crude oil up $1.31, 63.22 a barrel. The financial markets narrowly mixed with the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 3, 33,984. The NASDAQ down 48, 14,090. The S&P 500 down 1 point at 4,186. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. As always, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. Hey, I'm Kerry Martin, and I sure hope that I'll see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.